0: Like, are you a fist pumper, a woo-hooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. But Loiseleur shook his head with a little smile. Madame de Côte looked from one to the other. "'What was the Moulin-Brulé?' she inquired of the old gentleman in a low voice. But it was Tante Clotilde who replied for him. "'Oh, my dear Virginia, really, before the hero of Penesquy himself. "'The details which reached us of that exploit were, I doubt not, inadequate. "'But surely we all treasure them too securely in our memories to ask what was the Moulin brûlé? Poor Madame de Côte thus brought a book at her own table, before and on account of her guest, flushed. Monsieur de la Rocheterie bit his lip and looked thoroughly uncomfortable, and Laurent's anger was kindled. You forget, I think, ma tante, he said as politely as he could, that my mother, after all, is not French by birth and it is quite plain that no one can have told her the story, for it is not one which she could ever have forgotten. How quite so, very well said, put in Monsieur de Vic hastily, and he gallantly monopolized the old lady's attention, while the awkward wave in the conversation caused by the boulder she had cast into it spent itself. Indeed, Laurent, looking down the table after a moment's silent fight with his annoyance, "'was relieved to find that the hero of Penescue "'was smiling delightfully at his hostess, "'and heard her say, smiling, too. will you ever be able to forgive me, "'Monsieur de la Rocheterie?' "'Oh, madame,' replied Loiseleur, you cannot conceive what a relief it is "'to find that there's one fortunate being "'in royalist circles who has not been pestered "'with the tale of that detestable old windmill. "'I sometimes wish I'd never seen the place,' When the ladies, following English custom, had left them, Monsieur de Vic drew in his chair and concentrated his attention on his fellow-guest. "'Oh, I remember the Vendée, of course,' he remarked, "'and the great days of the Chouannerie and Cadoudal's days. "'You are too young to recall them, monsieur, but you have relit the sacred fire.' "'And no, only fanned the embers,' said Loiseleur quickly. "'The fire is always there.' and the Breton does not change. Indeed, some of mine are identically the same as those of the great days. And one has the same devotion to rely on, the same obstinacy to combat, the same superstitions to use or respect, and the same kind of warfare. That warfare of hedgerows and heather, of which one has heard, put in Laurent, his chin on his hands, and which needs, I imagine, a special aptitude— I suppose it does. At any rate, it is the only kind which the Breton really understands. You have to be always on the move, if you have very few men, as I had, at least at the beginning, when I started with twenty-five. That is easy. And if you keep moving, you're not only invisible, but the enemy thinks your numbers are much greater than they are. I've never had more than six hundred men, but they were all picked, and if I had told any one of them to go immediately and cut off his hand, the only delay would have been the finding of the chopper. Ah, oh, well, that is all over now. I suppose I ought to say, thank God. I do say it, but one does not like parting from one's comrades. You have disbanded them, then? Oh, not yet. But I shall do so directly the king is actually in Paris. Ah, oh, the king in Paris! exclaimed the Baron de Vic in a rapt tone. And he began a loyal reverie on that theme, and to which the two young men listened with becoming patience. Then he reverted somewhat abruptly to the question of Loisel's amulet, and asked so many questions about it, and that, in the end, Monsieur de la Rocheterie, beginning, Laurent fancied, to be slightly bored, offered to show it to him. And while Monsieur de Vic murmured delightedly, "'Oh, monsieur, you are really too obliging,' took off his coat with an apology to his host and turned up the sleeve of his fine shirt. Laurent, leaning back on his chair, his hands behind his head, looked on, amused. Little exclamations broke from the old royalist, as, spectacles on nose, he bent over the table and scrutinized the circlet closely. "'Oh, that is really the fairy garter of the legend! "'Oh, dear, dear, how wonderful! "'After all these years, so fresh and well-preserved, oh, "'there must be something in it, after all. "'Oh, it is indeed to be hoped, monsieur, and "'that you will never lose that.' And "'The owner of the Chactier, "'with his bare arm stretched out before him on the mahogany, "'caught his host's eye over the grey head.' "'Yes, as you say, monsieur, remarkably well-preserved.' "'And Laurent, smiling back, had a delightful sense of complicity with him. "'He was not going to tell the old fellow what he had told him. "'Oh, my last doubts are removed,' murmured Monsieur de Vic, taking off his spectacles. "'Now I know that I really have shaken Loiseleur and no other by the hand. "'The bearer of that name,' He was turning down his shirt-sleeve, stopped and flushed very slightly. Oh, "'Why, monsieur, and did you think I was an impostor? he demanded. "'Was that why you wanted to see the thing?' And he looked at the old gentleman very straight and challengingly. Poor monsieur de Vic, meeting the spark he had so tactlessly struck out, confounded himself in apologies, on which monsieur de la Rocherterie, evidently quickly penitent, but still with a little air not free from hauteur, begged his pardon for having suspected his motive, and, peace being restored, their young host suggested that they should join the ladies. How very interesting, that, he thought, as he opened the door. And so he's got a hot temper under that quiet exterior of his. How I think that, for all his modesty and charm, I should be sorry to take liberties with Monsieur le Vicomte de la Rocheterie, Six. Installed on the sofa in the drawing-room, Tante Clotilde immediately motioned to M. de la Rocheterie to take his place beside her. Now, Vicomte, the story you promised us, if you please, and the story of the Chartier, she said with heavy graciousness. How oh, I can recall no such promise, madame, replied Loiseleur. However, if you conceive that it would interest you, "'And Monsieur le Baron,' he added, flashing a glance half-malicious, half-apologetic, on that offender, "'I will endeavour not to bore you too much.' He stirred his coffee for an instant. "'You must know, then, that in the district of Penesquay there is a legend of an enchanted garter, given in the Middle Ages by that ubiquitous immortal, the fairy Melusine, to a knight whom it rendered invincible.' This garter was said to be still in existence, in the keeping of an old witch in the forest of Armor. We still have witches in Brittany, whom some held to be the fairy Melusine herself. I must also tell you, if you will pardon a reference to my personal appearance, that this knight, known to after-ages only as Loiseleur, seems to have been so unfortunate as to possess hair of the colour of mine. Well, I had or I have, a specially devoted follower, named Jacques Evenot, who comes from the neighbourhood of my little estate at Sessines. This man, who not only knew the legend, but the old woman, too, who had the Jacques Dier, must have begun by wishing that he could procure the lucky talisman for me, but hesitated to steal it, for fear the theft would bring misfortune on me. And then he must have pondered how to trick the witch into giving it me of her own free will, and how, therefore, to inveigle me, at the time perfectly innocent, into playing the part as it should be played. For it seems, but I only learnt this afterwards, that if a young man with reddish hair came at sunset to her hut with a hawk on his shoulder, and asked for a night's lodging, offering in payment merely a sprig of mistletoe, well, he was the dead fowler come to life again, and she would give him the chartier as of right. Even a simple peasant, successfully contrived that all those coincidences should come about, except, indeed, the finding of the hawk. One afternoon he got me into the heart of the forest on some pretext or other, and deliberately misled me, so that I lost my way and had to ask for shelter at the witch's hut. Knowing her reputation, I made no difficulty about his suggestion that I should offer her the bit of mistletoe which he had plucked for me one learns to humour superstition in Brittany. How about the hawk? Yes, that was strange. How did he procure the hawk, then? asked Tanto Dill, as he paused. Oh, he did not, madame. Chance procured it, turning his fraud for him into reality. And somewhat frightening him, I think. For, as we went through the wood, I came on a young hawk half-stunned on the ground, with a broken wing, and I picked the poor bird up and carried it for a while, and ended by putting it all innocently on my shoulder, where it stayed. So it was there quite correctly when I knocked at the witch's door. He smiled that most.